0: a minute. That kid ordered a pizza. This whole time, the whole plot is centered around the fact that the phones are down and it's 1990. There is no internet. There is literally no other way for him to order a pizza than to pick up the phone and do it. The phones were working.
1: Welcome to Pennies and Popcorn. Show about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies.
0: With your hosts, Carla Cash and Robert Davidson, a couple of personal finance geeks and movie lovers. Hello, everybody, or should I say, ho, 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 everybody. It is our holiday episode of the Pennies and Popcorn Show. How are you doing today, Robert?
1: I am doing great. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that I'm decked out in my usual attire, normal afternoon gear.
0: Right. Robert walks around with sequin-covered sleeves. I would say a good 80% of the time. That sounds about right.
1: I think it's my superpower.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can really pull off those sequins. I, on the other hand, do not normally wear a Christmas Story-themed sweatshirts that have sequin bedazzled sleeves so I am dressed up for Christmas. Robert's just wearing like what he wears on a normal Tuesday afternoon so.
1: I appreciate you joining my sense of fashion.
0: Yeah you're welcome you know every now and then I throw you a bone.
1: So what are we talking about today on this episode Carla?
0: I am so excited I almost can't hold it in because for our holiday episode today we are talking about one of our favorite movies of all time. Drum please. Home Alone. We are so psyched to be talking about this amazing piece of cinema, which has really stood the test of time. What year did it come out?
1: Uh, so it was 1990. You, you called this one of our favorite movies, Christmas movies, and we were children, of course, when it came out. So yes. it, it struck a chord close to, close to home for us, but it did for everybody. Oh, yeah. Did you know that this, I didn't know this till we were preparing for this show. At the time, it was the third highest-grossing movie at the box office in history.
0: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, that does seem that does seem really high. Behind what? Which two movies?
1: Uh, Star Wars sure. and E. T.
0: Okay, wow. I mean,
1: it's I not inflation-adjusted. That's just raw numbers.
0: <laughs> that's pretty wild.
1: But still.
0: Yeah. Still.
1: This movie killed it at the box office. Right. There was a sequel. There was a Home Alone 3 and there's a new movie coming out with Home Alone this year in 2021. There is. Uh, Totally different. Although I think, is Buzz in it?
0: I don't know if Buzz is in it. I know that Aisling B, the Irish actress whom I really like, is in it. She's fun. She's great.
1: Okay. But back to Macaulay Culkin. So huge commercial success with Home Alone 1. Yeah. What kind of a raise do you think he got for Home Alone 2? Uh, 2X, oh 3X, which, like, what kind of a raise do you oh, think you got? It has
0: to be just huge. I mean, he was pretty much unknown when Home Alone...
1: Uh, he was in Uncle Buck before that.
0: Okay. <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> pretty much unknown. John
1: Hughes had him pegged for the part.
0: Okay. Okay. Nevertheless, I am guessing he made very, very little on Home Alone 1. like, Okay, so you said an $18 million budget overall? My guess would be he made, like, maybe hundred k at most. You were
1: spot on. He made $110,000.
0: I'm a really good estimator. Quite the estimator here. I'm known for it. And by the time Home Alone 2 came about, obviously we all were in love with Macaulay Culkin, a.k.a. Mac, as he goes by these days, um, at that point. So it's got to be, I mean, at least 10x. If he didn't make over a million dollars, he was absolutely robbed.
1: So he made $4.5 million, so Good a little bit him. over 40 times the pay, which is right. I mean, obviously, he made the movie. They could not do a second version without him soon after. It would have been anywhere close to the same movie, and I think he had the right to command a lot. For sure. There, at Lisa, there's a ton of great uh, quotes and scenes, a memorable one. There's one that we always go to in our house. You want to play it real quick?
0: Yeah, I do. Let's take a listen. What is the matter with you? He started it. He ate my pizza on purpose. He knows
1: I ate sausage and olives and Look onions what you and... did, you little jerk.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. How many times have you and I said, look what you did, you little jerk, to each other?
1: Well, uh, since I'm basically perfect, you say it to me very, very infrequently. Yeah, but you I'm, mix. you know, two, three times a day for me towards you, <laughs> I think. That's about
0: right. Okay, maybe that's a slight exaggeration. But it's a lot. We use it a lot.
1: Yeah. Anytime you make a small boo-boo that is completely irrelevant, I think Mm -hmm. saying, look what you did, you little jerk, is about the only appropriate response.
0: Yeah, I concur 100%.
1: It doesn't work as well with strangers. I think I've mistakenly (laughs) said that to folks who maybe aren't in the loop, maybe who are less of a Home Alone fan, and it seems like it's a bit abrasive.
0: Yeah, if you only saw it in 1990, you're probably not up on all your Home Alone quotes.
1: Well, if you've only seen Home Alone in 1990, I'm not sure I want to be friends anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic line. Also, I tend to agree with him. I don't like a lot of stuff on my pizza, especially not olives. I really hate olives. And I'm not a big fan of meat on pizza. Please don't hate me. I know. It's yeah, olives
1: on pizza are basically a tragedy. It's really the problem with supreme pizza, I think. Everything else on it, I can, I can even deal with the mushrooms if I have to. But the olives, mm-hmm. what are they bringing to the table?
0: Nothing. I just don't like Olive's period. One of the few foods I really dislike.
1: So, speaking of the pizza, it made me think of a fact I learned about Home Alone. Okay. John Candy, big time actor, right? He's good friends with John Hughes. He appears in the movie. Yes, he does. Uh, has a fun role. In polka, fact, he, polka. So, he got to ad lib way more than anybody else on the cast because oh, he's he was John friends Candy.
0: with.
1: Well, he was friends with John Hughes, and, you know, everyone else had their. Script that they were supposed to follow. He was only on set for a day. Wow! He accepted scale wages, so he was paid only a few hundred dollars. And what made me think of the pizza is the pizza guy, the guy from was it Little Nero's Pizza. Yeah. Uh, he's there in the opening scene in the house when he brings in the pizzas for the whole crowd, and then he comes around later and you know thinks he's getting attacked when he drops off the pizza around <laughs> yeah. the back with Kevin. Uh, that guy got paid more than John Candy did wow. to do the movie.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And he's like, I don't think I've ever seen his face again. Was he ever in anything else?
1: Yeah. He was more successful than John Candy financially in Home Alone, but maybe not so.
0: Not in the grand scheme of things. In the rest of of
1: the acting Hollywood sector.
0: Yeah. That sounds about right.
1: So other fun stuff that I looked up on this that I realized, Daniel Stern, the guy who plays Marv. So Marv is the tall, dim-witted burglar. Um, my favorite personally, although Joe Pesci, <laughs> incredible. Anyway, Marv, uh, some people have even said I, I look a little bit like Marv. When no, they... no.
0: Okay. You're going to stop right there. Robert and I lived outside on a backpacking slash car camping trip for about six six months. Yeah. And you did not shave for that entire six months. And yeah. then about another three months after that. Or cut my hair. Or cut your hair. And there is a photo, which we will post, of Robert (laughs) looking, this spitting image of Marv from Home Alone with his wild and crazy hair.
1: Daniel Stern is a little taller and a lot leaner than I am, but uh, I'll take the compliment. He's an accomplished (laughs) actor. Yeah, that's true. I'll take it. So anyway, Marv, the guy who plays Marv, originally accepted the role, and the filming schedule was set to be, I think, six weeks and they redid the schedule, they had some new plan, it extended out to eight weeks, but his compensation was not set to change at all, and that was a problem for him. Hmm. And he backed out of the movie. What?: Yeah, And so we they just had... didn't have Marv.: <laughs> Well, Marv was still going to be a character, but it was going to be by Daniel Stern. It was some, ex- some other actor named Dan, I don't remember his last name. That
0: tarantula scream. Which is so wonderful. It would not have been the same with any other actor. Uh, no,
1: it wouldn't have been. And what they found out is with some basic screen testing with him and Joe Pesci, the, the backup Marv, it, it wasn't the same. The chemistry wasn't there. And they had to convince Daniel Stern to come back and do it. It was a good call. Well, they made the right call.
0: I am sure that it broke the heart of backup Marv. But Daniel Stern, we love you. My other fun fact, and this is so heartwarming, I almost can't stand it. So the actual Home Alone house, which we're going to talk about a little bit down the road, is in Winnetka, Illinois, and it attracts like a massive amount of tourists every year, people coming to see it, especially, of course, around the holidays. And the house directly next door to it, aka Old Man Marley's house, there's like an average family that lives there, and they have a child who every Christmas will sell hot cocoa from a little, like, lemonade-style stand in his front door, like in the driveway, for all of these people who are coming by to take a little gander at the Home Alone house.
1: What an enterprising kid. I like it's it.
0: enterprising, it's adorable, it involves hot chocolate. I mean, it's checking all the boxes for me. Big fan.
1: Wow. So one thing we haven't done is give a plot overview about this movie, I feel like. Maybe we've talked a lot about what's going on without giving people a little perspective. Have we screwed up?
0: I don't think so, because it's home alone. Um, Yeah, it is very difficult for me to imagine that anyone is listening to this without knowing a basic plot summary. But what the heck, let's, for the, you know, half a percent of the human beings out there who haven't seen it recently and don't know, What happens in this fabulous film? We've got a family gathering together for Christmas. Peter is Kevin's dad, a.k.a. Macaulay Culkin's dad. Basically, Peter had a brother who was transferred for work to Paris. And the entire family is going to go to Paris to visit them. That is like the initial setup of the movie. And not... Everybody in the McAllister clan ends up going to Paris. And this is a 31-year-old spoiler, which doesn't feel like a spoiler at all, because it's literally in the title of the movie. Kevin McAllister gets left behind. He gets left home alone and doesn't make it to Paris along with the rest of his family.
1: Okay. Have you ever been home alone
0: not that I can remember, no. I've got pretty great parents.
1: I mean, you've never been left behind? No one's forgotten about you?
0: I mean, I'm pretty great. I don't think, I'm, no one could forget me. It's
1: okay. okay, fair enough.
0: <laughs> not that I can remember, but probably at some point.
1: I've been home alone. It was on a day when I wasn't wearing sequins, so <laughs> I, it's not surprising that people forgot me.
0: This is why you wear the sequins.
1: Yeah. It wasn't for my family. Who I'm also from a large family, much like Kevin. Uh, but my parents were better at counting, I guess. Mm-hmm. They, or they loved us enough to, to make sure we were all there. Mm-hmm. Double, double did the alarm clocks. Didn't accidentally sleep in. We also didn't take any Christmas trips to, to Paris. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit less urgency there. But no, when uh, we were backpacking in 2019, there was a stretch on the trail where uh, you had an injured ankle, took a few days off. Got up to the next town and our group of friends and I were all in the same general area camping, but I was on the other side of the trail. They were a little bit further away, got up in the morning to go say hello like we would do every morning and they were all packed up and gone. I think they thought I was already gone because my tent wasn't there. They'd forgotten I was on the other side or something. I don't know. But my reaction in the moment was, I've been home alone. (laughs) (laughs) They left me. Um, oh, it was man. it was a little bit scary. I mean it wasn't scary, but it, it hurt a little bit.
0: Trail Family, if you're listening, you home alone poor Robert over here he I got still over feels it. it I got over I'm it. not sure that he did, guys.
1: Anyway, let's zip along in this plot summary. So the basic gist of the movie is they leave Kevin behind and they gotta go back and get him, which is a challenge. Meanwhile, there's some terrible stuff going on in the neighborhood, people are breaking in, causing all kinds of trouble. Havoc But they're pretty clever criminals right
0: i mean they're okay their
1: their initial move (laughs) is pretty clever i always thought that impersonating a police officer to try to gain access to the home like that was was very very well done yeah people are are automatically trusting of law enforcement like that certainly with the craziness that was going on in the house at the time it's no surprise that he was able to gain access uh, scope it out a little bit understand what their holiday plans were it was It was very deceptive and very clever. Their actual implementation as criminals, far worse than their initial setup.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although I will say that post Home Alone, I don't think that move would work anymore. Right? If you had a cop show up to your house, wouldn't you immediately think of Harry and be suspicious?
1: I mean, if his gold tooth glints in the light like (laughs) that. That's true. That's
0: a dead giveaway. Definitely. Definitely.
1: So we have a fun clip where the mom is inadvertently revealing the whole family's plans to Joe Pesci, the criminal Harry. You want to play it?
0: Yeah, let's take a listen. Having a reunion or something? Oh no, my husband's brother transferred to Paris last summer and both of his kids are still going to school here and I guess he missed the whole family. He's giving us all this trip to Paris for the holiday so we can be together. You're taking a trip to Paris? Yes, we hope to leave tomorrow morning. Excellent.
1: So we've already established that this trip to Paris is for 15 people, right? Yes, we have. Four adults, 11 kids. The brother who's been transferred to Paris has bought them this trip.
0: To yeah, Paris. I think I think that's kind of a common misconception that people have. I think people think they forget this little storyline.
1: Yeah, the house is so huge. I think yeah. everyone just assumes that... It's uh,
0: the family that we see in the house that's paying for it. But no, it's actually the brother who lives in Paris who's paying for everyone to go to Paris.
1: Okay, so a trip to Paris for Christmas for two is expensive. A trip digits? to Paris for Christmas for 15 is absurdly expensive.
0: Mind blowingly expensive.
1: Yeah, so we looked into this, right? If we're putting this together here in early December. Maybe we should have looked a few weeks ago to get optimal flight pricing. But if you tried to go from O'Hare Airport, in Chicago, to either airport in Paris, For 15 people with four of them flying first class, 11 in coach, it's going to cost you 40 grand. Like, there's no (laughs) way, there's no getting around it.
0: Like, I almost threw up a little. That just makes me want to die.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a a hefty price tag, no matter what. Uh, I think there are a couple of airlines where the first class tickets weren't, were maybe two and a half, three times the price of the coach tickets. Uh, there are, so if you like mix and match your airlines and didn't fly the kids with the adults, maybe you could save a little bit of money if the adults had to fly first class. I I would say that, you know, if I were going to buy tickets for family to fly from Chicago to Paris, I probably wouldn't put the the adults in first class that probably added an extra 20 grand in today's dollars. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. For the premium for four first class tickets over, over a coach ticket. Probably.
0: That. Does not feel worth it to <laughs> me. That is such an astronomical sum of money. I mean, just think about that is, I think that's a little bit higher than the average salary. No, maybe it's a little bit below the average salary, average annual salary for an, an American today. That's like, I mean, you're working for almost an entire year to pay for that. Not. I assume that this guy makes dramatically more than the average salary if he is springing for this kind
1: of a trip it's quite generous it is let's hope that the job that he got transferred for is maybe he plays like professional soccer i don't know i'm trying to think of a job where you're getting just paid tons and tons of money
0: i feel like the actors we see playing the fathers are too old to be professional sports people
1: yeah definitely his kids would be a bit old yeah for sure doesn't professional soccer coach.
0: Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe he is Ted Lasso, but I don't know. It is a frightening <laughs> sum of money and it just makes my head hurt to even think about it. So one thing that I think is interesting to consider is they're spending this ungodly sum of money for how long of a trip? How long do we think the family is likely to stay in Paris? We don't we, we actually have a little bit of data on how long they might be staying because a little bit later in the film, we hear her trying to exchange her ticket, which we hear is for a Friday, for the coming Friday.
1: Yeah, if we look at the calendar from 1990, I think which we concluded we it was, what, about six days is how long they were going to be there?
0: Yeah, the Friday following Christmas is December 28th in 1990.
1: And they're departing the morning of the 22nd?
0: We're pretty sure about that, which means... In all likelihood, this guy is paying for these people to come to Paris for... Five days? Yeah. Because there's
1: a travel day. Really
0: more like four. If you're flying on the 22nd and you're flying on the 28th. Well, maybe it's
1: a night flight on the 28th.
0: That's possible. It's possible. But I mean...
1: Let's optimistically say it's six full days, even though it's clearly not.
0: Yeah. I just can't imagine that value trade-off... It just doesn't make even the tiniest iota of sense to me to spend $40,000 for realistically four days and realistically taking into account the jet lag that they're going to be fighting that they'll probably be almost over on day three, also known as the day before the day they leave. I mean, that is just the most terrible use of funds that I can possibly imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll give him a little bit of a break because he's putting them up, it seems like, in his own apartment. So at least this trip is a little bit cheaper than it otherwise could be because they're they're probably not eating out as much as people would be on a normal trip to Europe. They're not paying as much for lodging as people normally would be. You know, they're just probably staying close to home with the, the family that they don't get a chance to see. But yeah, $40,000 to bring your family for a trip somewhere. How long does it need to be? It's, you know, stretch it out to eight days, nine days. Is that good enough?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. How many days would you have to stay to make it worth it to spend $40,000?
1: On transportation.
0: <laughs> I just don't know if, I don't know if there is a number of days that, I mean, I basically have to be moving there. Is it permanent? Yeah, those would have to be my moving costs. And even then, I would try to figure out some way to do it cheaper. But, I mean, that's, you know, 15 people. 15 people is a lot of people.
1: It is a lot of people to move, but my goodness, that is that is an expensive trip.
0: Extremely. It's just not a good call. I don't know what that guy's financial statistics are and whether this is a drop in the bucket for him and he can just completely afford it, but whew, it's well. really not frugal let's put it that
1: way the finances of a big family can be difficult for sure but kevin he wasn't looking to be part of a big family
0: kevin most certainly was not looking to be part of a big family and one of the great scenes in the movie that of course sets up the plot for him to be left home alone is kevin having this big fight with his family you hear the clip of his uncle frank telling him um Look what you, she did, you did, you little jerk. jerk. <laughs> and then, uh, after that, Kevin's mom drags him up the stairs and tells him to go all the way up to the third floor, which apparently is scary. And that he's got to sleep in the hideaway bed up there because he's being...
1: He's being punished.
0: Basically being grounded for the night. So let's take a listen to the conversation that Kevin and his mom have as she's sending him up to the third floor. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen.
1: I hope I never see any jerks again. <laughs> it's good acting. It's
0: such good acting. I don't want to
1: see you again for the rest of my whole life. Like, what a strong company. It was very powerfully delivered.
0: Yeah. Macaulay Culkin had it going on at age eight. And, of course, Catherine O'Hara is just... I mean, she's Catherine O'Hara. I can't...
1: Yeah. She's can't good with him, even though he's such a little baby. <laughs>
0: Heck yeah. Shit's Greek reference. Um, this clip is wonderful and also like holy god it's really awful. I mean the way that Catherine O'Hara delivers that line say it again maybe it'll happen. If my mom said something like that to me when I was a kid I think I just would have been like so taken aback and it just it feels like a threat. Now maybe I'm saying that because I've seen the movie 20,000 times and I know what's coming of course but it really feels like a threat. Someone says say it again, maybe it'll happen to me. I'm going to feel like, what, are, are you going to make it happen? Like, what is about to happen to me? It feels like a threatening line.
1: Yeah, it is threatening. But at the same time, is it really any different than your parents parents saying not to cross your eyes because it'll stay that way forever? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is.
0: <laughs> <It> totally is. <laughs> I mean, at least that is said with love. Yeah. This fair is point. just a flat out threat to what to abandon him.
1: Look, I mean, Kevin was being a brat. He spilled the milk on top of all of the airplane tickets.
0: And I get it. And she does have 15 people in her house. And it is the holidays. And they're packing for a trip, which they are clearly not ready for. I understand the pressure that poor Catherine O'Hara was under in this situation. I'm just saying, it feels like a threat. All right.
1: Well, let's hear a little bit more about Kevin's thoughts on not having a family.
0: Yeah, this is one of my favorite clips. Let's take a listen.
1: This house is so full of people. It makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone. I'm
0: living alone.
1: So I'd forgotten this till you told me about it, but I, I totally missed this. We were re-watching this recently about when I grow up and get married, I'm <laughs> living alone.
0: Yeah, I just wonder like what part of that he doesn't understand, or what is his vision that he's going to get married and then they'll live separately? Does he mean he doesn't want children? I don't, I don't know. So it's totally unclear what he means by that, but it's pretty cute.
1: I think it's clever writing. Yeah, it's very I clever writing. I think it's a nice joke that's slipped in there. That yeah. I missed.
0: No, I'm a big fan of that whole whole little clip. Yeah, my colleague at his best. Yeah. yeah.
1: Can. So he wishes his family away. He wants to live alone. And it happens, right? The tree falls down and knocks out the power. The alarm clocks don't go off. They forget about him upstairs in the hideaway bed. And he gets left behind. He wakes up. And I feel like he's pretty responsible for a kid waking up that first morning, right?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence of, of events. I mean, we definitely pretty quickly have the scene where he's gorging on ice cream and m&ms and marshmallows
1: isn't that what adults do when they live alone not that long ago carla here had to leave for a business trip for a few weeks i was left home alone by myself and i i I basically did that is that not (laughs) is that not what we're supposed to do
0: well this is an awkward time to talk about it but no
1: oh i when do we do the confessional episode (laughs)
0: Uh, next season. Okay. Next, next season. season
1: on. Next season on pennies and popcorn.
0: Right, stay tuned. Okay. Uh, yeah, he in general is extremely responsible for an eight-year-old in this situation. One of the things that makes me laugh is that he really prioritizes his personal hygiene. Right? We have the whole routine with the aftershave and the the whole thing where he's narrating, talking about washing every nook and cranny <laughs> in the shower. And I don't, I mean, given the recent events with COVID and how much time all of us have spent at home alone without interacting with other human beings for long periods of time.
1: Yeah. I aspire to have Kevin's hygiene.
0: Yeah. I just like, it just feels highly unrealistic. I think the vast majority of people, I mean, not me, obviously. Definitely not you. But, you know, some people I heard were not prioritizing showering every day and you know kind of letting that drift a little bit Mm -hmm. because you're not leaving the house and interesting anyway obviously again not us but i think it's funny that kevin is so fanatic fanatical about his hygiene given that he's eight and no one is checking on him
1: yeah and his mom packed the toothbrush that was off in paris with everybody else yeah, and he didn't have one so he, what is he he goes into Buzz's room his older brother's room and digs around and finds uh, he totally wrecks the room trying to find some money and uh, gets his savings and grabs a few bucks takes it to the store to go buy a toothbrush
0: that is correct
1: yeah and, and not only has he tried to buy a toothbrush like this he asks if it's like approved by the
0: American Dental Association which is another one of my favorite lines the lady responds I don't know and he says...
1: "What well, can you find out?
0: No, it's that's close, Robert, but it's not exactly right. He says, could you please find out? Which is also something that I say to Robert on the regular whenever he tells me he doesn't know the answer to something.
1: Also infrequent.
0: Mm-hmm. Super <laughs> infrequent. Anyway, um, yeah, he is doing pretty well for a kid living alone, but I wonder... Just how sustainable it is for an eight-year-old to be living alone, or anyone for that matter, to be living alone with no income or ability to earn income, given that he's eight. Pretty sure his prospects for getting a job in America are pretty low.
1: Yeah. I mean, he does do a good job. He does his own laundry. Yeah. Right. He, he goes and buys the fabric softener and the milk and the eggs. Right, he gets He gets all the supplies. He does. But yeah, that house itself is expensive, right? Maintaining a home that looks like that home, it's going to cost a lot.
0: So, how much do you think that house costs?
1: Uh, well, modern day, I saw you looking it up earlier. It's it's about two million dollars is the rough estimate for the value of the home.
0: That is correct. Yeah, it's it's over two mo- two million. I think it's about two point three or so today. Wow. In two thousand eleven, it sold for about one point six, which means it's actually appreciated. A little less than I would have expected given the recent skyrocketing of home prices post-COVID. But yeah, it's well over a $2 million house. So property taxes, general upkeep and maintenance, utility bills, insurance, not to mention the mortgage, just all those things on top of the mortgage.
1: Yeah, the money is interesting. He had to break into Buzz's stuff to get enough money to go buy the toothbrush. But then later in the movie, he has enough money to pay the pizza guy the $12 (laughs) where he tells him to keep the negligible change as a tip.
0: You filthy animal.
1: That's right. Uh, And then he has the money to go shopping again a little bit later. So I, I don't know where that cash comes from.
0: Yeah, nobody does. It is a great mystery. He finds what appears to be like three to four dollars in buzz's life savings and then doesn't spend it on the toothbrush because remember he shoplifts the toothbrush so he's got like three to four bucks he's found his his way
1: to stretch his money a little bit further
0: but then yeah he spends twelve dollars on the pizza and i think it's about twenty four dollars on the groceries later so where is this money coming from it's very unclear
1: yeah, I, I'm going to say that that cash is going to run out pretty quickly. I don't think in 1990 he's going to be able to withdraw funds at the bank very easily. No. Nope. Um, maybe he knows how to write a check. I don't know. I would it seems be
0: very surprised.
1: Skeptical. Yeah, doubtful that he'll be able to pull that off. Um, yeah, the power is going to get shut off pretty quickly, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a bank foreclosure. He's going to get a lien from not paying his taxes and... It'll go into some kind of tax foreclosure eventually. Yeah, I I don't think Kevin could pull off a living alone for very long. It's unfortunate because I do think, like I said, he did a really good job of it for his age. But you're right. Um, the young people are discriminated against and he likely could not find gainful employment at eight.
0: Yeah, it definitely would have been a tough trick to pull off to keep that whole situation going for. I would give him, I'd give him a week before he starts to panic and run out of food alright so there's a few other fun money aspects to this movie that we wanted to talk about Um, we next have a clip about the two burglars that we haven't talked too much about but Harry and Marv are casing the joint and they have been for a while with the whole fake police routine and in one clip we get to hear them talking about all of the loot that they are expecting to take home from this big, beautiful house that costs over $2 million. So let's take a listen and hear Harry and Marv licking their chops. And that's the one, Marv, and that's the silver tuna. Oh, uh, it's very G. Very G, huh? It's loaded. It's got lots of top flight goods. Stereos, VCRs. Toys? Probably looking at some very fine jewelry. Possible cash hoard. Odd marketable securities.
1: Who knows? It's a gem. Grab your crowbar. Crowbar's up. <laughs>
0: okay, first I just want to know how great the music is. Um, <laughs> that little doot dude at the end is just so great. So well done. John Williams did the score for this. John Williams, of course, has done the score for pretty much... Every movie that you think, oh man, the the music in that movie was really great. It was probably John Williams. Yeah, we're both huge fans of his. And yeah, this is...
1: Home Alone is no exception.
0: Very much in that vein, yeah. So there's so much going on in this clip.
1: What do you think the odd marketable securities are that he's talking about?
0: I can only imagine that he's thinking they're going to land some stock certificates. That's the only thing that makes any sense. And although that's not really a thing today anymore maybe 31 years ago almost 32 it was
1: too early for bitcoin yeah
0: too early for bitcoin that is definitely a, a mystery though i'm not sure what it was they were hoping to to walk away with there because you would
1: well hope. vcrs
0: that's true VCRs. that was probably
1: the primary thing they were going for it's a
0: huge cash grab they're going <laughs> for the vcrs I mean, so how much do you think they could possibly walk away with on their best day.
1: On their best day? I mean they could walk away with a ton if people have a bunch of cash in the house. That's true. Yeah, I mean you could you could do very well in the right circumstance if people have just a ton of cash lying around. But in nineteen ninety your only option to really move the stuff you've stolen is what going to like a pawn shop?
0: Yeah, no Craigslist, no eBay.
1: Yeah, it's difficult to, to move your stolen merchandise effectively, I would say. So they're going to get reduced value for all this used stuff in a, in a pretty substantial way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've got to be hoping for jewelry and other small, like, antique type items that have a lot of value that they might be able to resell for a lot. But, but probably cash is the best thing they could hope to find.
0: So how much do we think the average burglar walks away with?
1: I think it's hard to know, Uh, but I did look up a little bit of data on this. And according to to some FBI crime statistics in 2019, the average loss in home robberies, home burglaries, I think was a little over Mm $2,600. And I I don't know if that is the value of the lost merchandise or the value of the damage to the home plus the value of the lost merchandise, right? Because usually when people are breaking in, they're they're doing something to the lock, to the window.
0: That's true. They're
1: getting in in some kind of way that that will cause damage in addition to whatever they take. But the replacement cost of a stolen TV is substantially more than what the criminal is going to get when they go try to sell it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If the replacement cost is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,600, you have to imagine that the criminals are walking away with I mean, maybe half that.
1: Yeah, probably less than half of that. Yeah. That.
0: Which, you know, isn't certainly nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money, but you have to weigh the rewards with the risk, right? I mean, the odds of you getting caught and spending time in jail are pretty pretty darn high. It just... Yeah,
1: it, it doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, yeah what an so,
0: awful trade-off.
1: I mean, this house, <clears throat> they they really could have reasonably expected to do a lot better than that. You know, modern day 2600 figure, but even still, it seems like it's it's pretty crazy. What I thought was a little bit wild is these guys call themselves the wet bandits, right? Yes, they do. Uh, to Harry's annoyance, Marv, whenever he leaves these houses, will stop up the drain and turn on the sink and flood the houses. I have to believe that in general, they cause more property damage than actual lost property in the form of theft. Those wet bandits. I mean it was a clever name. I liked it. I thought it was fun when I was a kid. Um, But yeah, it's ridiculous now when I when I think about the damage that they caused everywhere. Man, like that just increases the risk or or the punishment that they're likely to face. Oh yeah. Without improving their outcomes individually. Yeah that's the point.
0: Yeah. They're increasing their risk astronomically for Absolutely zero reward. And, of course... Notoriety. As we find out... Yeah, I suppose that's true. Hey, we're famous. for breaking into people's houses. Look at us. But also, as we hear in the end of the movie, when they finally do get caught... Sorry for the 31-year-old spoiler alert. um, (laughs) When they do get caught, we hear the police telling them, we know every house you've hit because you have this trademark of leaving the water running. So... Yeah, it definitely was a massively idiotic thing for these two guys to do.
1: So Kevin has the attitude when he realizes that these guys are coming for his house. I think his line is, this is my house. I have to defend it. Correct. Okay. Well, Carla, when you're not hosting Pennies and Popcorn, you're an attorney. You went to law school. Yes, I did. Can we talk a little bit about uh, the way that he booby traps his house, the way that he defends his home? Like, what's what's the legal story about all this?
0: This is such a fascinating topic. So, just by coincidence, I happen to have a torts textbook here from my very first year of law school, which, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see is beautifully tabbed because... I am one of those dorky people who is obsessed with school supplies and it made me really happy to tab up my book like this so all we have to do is flip to the booby trap tab and we can find a really interesting um, she's excerpt.
1: joking you think she's joking about the booby trap tab this is actually in this law book and i remember you know, 15 plus years ago when yeah. you're in law school reading this section while I was visiting you over the weekend and just immediately thinking of Home Alone. It's quite fitting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you definitely can't talk about booby traps without thinking of Home Alone. But we, I'm not kidding about this part. We really did cover this in my Torts class um, because this is a thing that real people have done, not quite in the same way that Kevin McAllister did, but... There is a case that's very famous. I'm pretty sure almost every law student reads it called Catco versus Briney. The Supreme Court of Iowa um, decided this case in 1971. And it's an interesting little case. Basically, this poor guy um, had his house broken into over and over and over again, and he was just completely fed up with it. So he set up a spring gun to basically shoot anybody who was breaking into the property and he apparently did have at least a little bit of heart because he chose not to aim it at the vital organs up high but down pretty low so this is a direct quote from the guy he admitted that he aimed the gun lower quote because i was mad and tired of being tormented but did not intend to injure anyone (laughs) Um, which seems blatantly false. He clearly intended to injure people. He just didn't intend to kill them. Sure. But in any event, he sets up this spring gun and tries to you know, have this powerful deterrent against anybody who's trying to break into his home. And somebody tries to break in, as, of course, there wouldn't be a case if somebody hadn't, gets injured by the spring gun and actually sues the guy who set up the spring gun and injured him. So the question is, can you be liable for setting up a booby trap when it's a criminal who's breaking into your house? They don't have the right to be there. Do you have a right to set up a booby trap? What do you think the answer is, Robert?
1: Well, 2005 Robert remembers reading this. <laughs> so, what do
0: you think the answer should be?
1: Um, I think the answer should be You you shouldn't be able to use lethal force to go stop someone from stealing your money. You should be able to make them step on some plastic or some glass Christmas ornaments <laughs> <laughs> and injure their foot when they're barefoot. You should be allowed to let them step on a, a nail after they've stepped in a bunch of steps Ooh. covered in tar Ooh. and remove their shoe five steps up. I'm okay with that. The blowtorch to the head. <laughs> mm, that's a little bit across the line if we're going to take it in the Home Alone reference, but I don't know. Um, How
0: about a paint uh, can to the face, or an iron falling from like twenty feet above?
1: Well, <laughs> that that seems a little dangerous for a lot of people. There um, could be there could easily be people who are there for acceptable reasons who shouldn't be mm-hmm. subject to those kinds of harms. Yeah, so I, I think yeah. we're trying to weigh the pros and cons of a society where we are just trying to defend our property, not just def- not defending ourselves. Uh, you really shouldn't be able to do anything that severe. Property just isn't worth it. But that's yeah, that's my my take.
0: Well, the Supreme Court of Iowa agrees with you, Robert. Well, to, to an extent, I think you're actually much meaner than the Supreme Court of Iowa would <laughs> allow you to be. They would also not be chill with you letting people step on nails or glass. Maybe micro machines. If you're just you could put Legos out and make yeah, people little, step on let people Legos. people slip on the floor. Okay. Yeah. But, so here is an excerpt from the case. Um, They say, The law has always placed a higher value upon human safety than upon mere rights in property. It is the accepted rule that there is no privilege to use any force calculated to cause death or serious bodily injury, Robert, (laughs) to repel the threat to land or chattels. That's an old word that just basically means stuff. Unless there is also such a threat... To the defendant's personal safety, as to justify a self-defense.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to still hold my position in that a single nail through the foot, a minor puncture wound. <laughs> I'm
0: going to call that serious bodily injury. Eh. Do you want to jam a nail through the bottom of your foot?
1: I, would I don't prefer think so. not to, but mostly just because the tetanus shot sounds unpleasant too.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call it serious bodily injury and I'm not going to have any hesitation about it. You don't even need
1: hospitalization for that.
0: I mean you could need hospitalization for that depending eh. on how deep the nail went. It's just not a good call.
1: Okay I, I won't do it I promise.
0: <laughs> so the bottom line is that it is not a good idea to set up booby traps. It is generally illegal under most states law And you could potentially be criminally liable for it. You can definitely be civilly liable for any damage that you cause. And I mean, as you were pointing out, there are really good reasons for this, right? Who knows who could be coming into your house? It could be someone like a firefighter or a uh, first responder of any kind, some kind of um, medic. Anybody who could be coming into your house for a perfectly innocent reason or maybe you're out of town and there's a gas leak coming from your house. I mean, there are a number of legitimate reasons. Yeah, that you,
1: you could forget that you left the iron there connected to the light bulb and you have someone over and bonk.
0: Yeah, that would be really, really bad. Yeah. Also, you could have a little child wander onto the premises who doesn't have any culpability, doesn't realize what they're doing. And as you pointed out, life, and as the case points out, life, property, life, property... I mean, it's a pretty clear winner there, as to what you know what should have the priority. So you cannot threaten people's lives or health just to protect your stuff. Fair enough. However, Kevin McAllister is not just protecting his stuff. At least at a certain point, they are clearly coming after him directly. Also, Kevin McAllister is eight years old, which would definitely be a factor as to what liability he could have and what state of mind he's got. So yeah, he's,
1: he's doing more than protecting the house. He's definitely protecting himself the yeah. entire time, right? They're trying to break in while he's there. Um, they've already impersonated a police officer. I think it's it's pretty clear that he could be in a lot of trouble and at some point they start yelling, I'm gonna get you, you little kid. Or oh
0: yeah, like no, that. at a certain yeah. point it is clearly physical self-defense. But at the beginning, I don't know, it's a great area because Kevin does not have to be there. Yeah,
1: he could just he leave. goes
0: next door at some <laughs> point in his little escape plan and is just fine.
1: Yeah, he could also done that he could have stayed started.
0: at that church where he was like there was absolutely zero requirement for Kevin to be in the house. It
1: was his house. He had to defend it. Yeah,
0: that's my point. He's defending the house. He's not defending himself. Yeah, he chose to be there. He overheard the criminals specifically say that they were coming at 9 o'clock. And he ran home to beat them there so he could be there before they came.
1: You know, I, I bet John Hughes in his first draft just had him stay at the church the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, let the criminals rob the place and uh, end of story but Macaulay Culkin being the, being the clever guy that he is decided he wanted that payday in Home Alone 2 and decided right. to just ad-lib that whole series of scenes with the booby traps that's probably what happened
0: that's probably what happened I mean look I'm not complaining it's a fabulous movie and I love the booby traps they're fun in a way that very few things are that memorably fun. (laughs) But nevertheless, it was not a good call in the real world. And you could end up in a torts textbook enshrined forever in the memory of law students for decades to come if you do this. So don't be that guy.
1: Don't do it. All right. Well, let's take it back to the money side of things because there's still another fun money thing that we haven't talked about yet. And that is the quest for the mom to get back to rescue Kevin.
0: Indeed. Indeed.
1: So she's in Paris and she's trying to get back. The There's no plane tickets available to basically anywhere in the United States. And she's doing everything in her power to get a new ticket home in by bartering with people in the airport.
0: Yeah. So let's take a listen to her bartering with someone desperate to get back to the U.S. So we have the $500, the pocket translator, the two first class seats. That's an upgrade from your coach. Is that a real Rolex? Do you think it is? No, but who can tell? I also have a, a ring. Oh, that is beautiful.
1: Come on, Irene, they're boarding.
0: Oh, this girl has offered us two first class tickets if we go Friday. Plus a ring, a watch, a, a pocket translator, $500, and the earrings. You love the earrings.
1: She's got her own earrings, a whole shoebox full of dangly ones. Come on, come on. No, but.
0: I'm desperate. I'm begging you. From a mother to a mother, please. Oh, Ed, please. Oh, all
1: right. <laughs> the grumpy guy is great. I
0: love the way he says, "Oh, all right." At the end <laughs> of that clip, yeah, sweet, sweet little Ed and Irene are, and they do end up trading the tickets for um, Catherine O'Hara's tickets.
1: So let's just. Pretend that you can do this, right? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's ignore the reality that you can't just fly on somebody else's tickets. Maybe you could have with nineteen nineties airport security. Definitely not happening today. Uh, you're not just able to just swap things out like that. But does it make sense? Is this a good deal for either party? What do you think?
0: I think it's a bit of a close call from Ed and Irene's perspective because. Ed and Irene, are still going to get back to the United States just a few days later. And she's giving them a lot of valuable things, including, of course, $500 in cash to potentially cover, you know, the extra cost of staying in Paris for a few more days. But we have to remember that because we see this later in the film, Catherine O'Hara is not going back to Chicago where she wants to go on this flight
1: yeah, she, She's going back to uh, the flight from Paris lands in Dallas. Right. So who knows where they were ev- eventually ending up, but they were flying at least through Dallas.
0: Yeah. So at least theoretically, it seems that she is trading tickets to Dallas for tickets to Chicago. And Ed and Irene are ending up with the tickets to Chicago when they don't want to go there.
1: Yeah, they're going to have to take the $500 cash And get a hotel or place to stay for another, at least three or four nights, most likely. We think so. And they're going to have to book new tickets from, uh, new last minute tickets, mind you, from Dallas, or from Chicago to get back to wherever they're trying to go.
0: Right. Which we assume is Dallas, but we don't know for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe the airlines could have exchanged the tickets one for another with a fairly small change fee. It's possible. But... It's very unclear, and it seems like the kind of thing that Ed and Irene should be asking before they (laughs) accept this deal. Now I get it. It's very sweet. They're doing something out of the goodness of their heart.
1: Maybe that pocket translator is worth so much more than we're thinking.
0: I mean, those pocket translators were... they were all that. In any event, the travel expenses in this movie are quite, quite high.
1: Yeah, they spent a lot to not even get to spend any time in Paris.
0: Yeah, That's so true. They barely got to see it. Yeah, it's a lovely
1: city. They should go back.
0: Yeah, we're big fans. Yeah.
1: Um, we're big fans of the movie as well. But there... Here's a plot hole or ten.
0: <laughs> there are some pretty serious plot holes. And I forgive them because the movie is so well done. But there are times when... I am mentally shouting at the television. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about some of these plot holes because they're just so much fun. So yeah, we'll we'll start little and work our way up to the bigger ones. So I one plot hole is when we've already talked about the money. Where does he get the money for the groceries? <laughs> Where does he get the money for the pizza? None of this makes any sense. Another fun one is the guy who delivers the pizza. So he shows up. Here's this, you know, movie clip that Kevin plays for him, which ends, of course, with the machine gun noises. So there are two things wrong with this whole scenario. One, can you really not tell the difference between the sound of a gun on television and the sound of a gun in real life? They feel like, pretty. oh, no, he does the dynamite. That's right. No,
1: he only does that when Marv pokes his head in. Oh, you're
0: totally right. Okay, so I was right. Plot hole. Okay, plot hole. Also, he
1: tested it with the pizza guy. Why? If
0: that pizza guy thinks that someone just got murdered in the house he delivered pizza to or that someone was shooting at him. Why didn't he call the police?
1: Somebody call 911. (laughs) That is
0: exactly. That is exactly what someone should have done. Yeah. Yeah. That pizza guy.
1: If he got paid more than John Candy to do that movie, how could he not put (laughs) that together?
0: Yeah. That feels like a pretty significant plot hole. Not a fan.
1: So I thought just the whole effort to get the police or Child Protective Services over to the house was poor.
0: I mean, it's unforgivable is what it is. I mean, it
1: is good comedy when the police officer says, tell her to go count her kids again. Okay, well, when you call the police back and they say no one was home perhaps you've miscounted you say no sir I haven't <laughs> my child is not with me I'm quite certain he's there break down the door go into that home you have my express permission right? surely there was something more that could have been done um, one of my favorite tiny role characters in the movie is the guy with the child services who's eating the donut I don't know why I just <laughs> love that scene as a kid and just the, his attitude about it all was fun to me in the moment. But surely the city of Chicago would have been able to send some of their finest over there to go check things out a bit more completely.
0: Yeah. I also wonder if Child Protective Services might have gotten involved after this whole situation of leaving an eight-year-old in home alone for multiple days in a row. I don't know. Well, no. I mean,
1: they they were invited to get involved and they chose not to. Yeah. They turned it back over to the police.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna call that another plot hole.
1: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, I feel like the effort by the police was silly, but also they've got all their family members back in Paris. Aren't they all freaking out? Isn't everybody? I mean, maybe Uncle Frank is happy for that jerk to be lost and he's not too worried about it. A little jerk. In reality, surely they're trying the phones, they're trying to get back to the police more often than just this one time. Why can't they say, we still haven't heard anything. Can you go check on him again? This is a really serious situation. The kid is eight years old. What's going on? Surely, surely somebody would have gone and checked again. I I think that low effort there was a pretty ridiculous part. I think they needed to come up with some other clever reasons why the police wouldn't have gone over.
0: Yeah, totally agree. It doesn't make any sense. You would think that the lack of an answer when the police come and knock to find an eight-year-old who's been left at home alone would be cause for serious alarm, not tell that lady to count her kids again. I mean, what if the kid is dead inside? What if the kid is almost dead inside, right? They should be taking that infinitely more seriously than they do.
1: So another thing, the phones, right? Why don't they try the phones longer, right? They they know the lines are out because the people told them when they were leaving. But why don't they try the house a few times, like a little
0: bit longer? Why don't they try the house all the time? Yeah, why aren't
1: they just trying constantly? Does it cost anything to make an international call that lands at a busy signal? Probably not.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It probably does not.
1: Yeah. No. I. Uh, the other thing I would add is, so we we talked about this. Uh, how did he order the pizza?
0: Okay, so I remember this just flashing into my mind, at some point years ago, I was doing something completely unrelated to Home Alone. I don't even know if I'd seen Home Alone recently, but for some reason, I just had this awakening moment where I thought, wait a minute, that kid ordered a pizza. This whole time, the whole plot is centered around the fact that the phones are down, and that is why the parents cannot get in touch with their child, and it's 1990 there is no internet there is literally no other way for him to order a pizza than to pick up the phone and do it and he orders a pizza the phones were working period
1: yeah that was by the second night why has no one called the house yeah and and tried to reach kevin at this point why why have they tried that yeah. if the police aren't helping them why aren't they trying to help themselves And see if they can get a hold of Kevin Yeah,
0: Or these lazy policemen who were like half-heartedly knocking on the door and waiting for 17 seconds before calling it. Why weren't they calling the house more often? Somebody should have been calling that house. And somebody could have picked up because those (laughs) phones were working. So there we go. Kid orders a pizza. That's all there is to it. Okay. I rest my case.
1: Yeah. Case rested.
0: Another issue. Why didn't Kevin call the cops? Like way earlier, as we pointed out, these burglars gave him a specific time in which they would be entering his home they made an for appointment. purposes of burglarizing it. And instead of telling someone, he sets booby traps.
1: Yeah. I do love the idea that they made an appointment <laughs> and he made a plan. So... Remember how fast everything goes as well at the final moment? This is the last thing on my list. He's in church, right? Yeah. And he leaves and we hear the bell toll. And that's the only thing we know about what time it is. He's already visited Santa that night in the dark. He goes to the church. He talks to old man Marley. They have a a heart to heart. Uh, And we hear the clock, the bell ringing and it chimes eight times, which, you know, seems to me that that is 8 p.m maybe they didn't it's
0: typically how clocks work
1: maybe they didn't set it back when daylight saving time <laughs> ended
0: so he would have had a whole two hours
1: yeah but he gets home and rolls out his sheet with all of his big plans
0: I love that sheet way. and me. has
1: to go implement it all throughout the house in an hour if I could have Kevin Malone level Kevin Malone <laughs> wow
0: you don't want Kevin Malone
1: I do not want Kevin Malone you level want Kevin productivity McAllister. If I could have Kevin McAllister-level productivity once a week, once a month, what kind of raise would I get? I would be, like, the best employee ever.
0: In the history of the universe.
1: Yeah. I mean, he got so much done in that hour. He makes it home. He sets everything up. He makes his macaroni and cheese dinner. Uh, Didn't he, like, light candles?
0: Indeed he did. Yeah.
1: I mean, he got so much done in this one hour. Yeah. But also, why did he wait until the... Final hour to do it? Nobody knows,
0: Robert. Nobody knows. Maybe he was planning on doing the sensible thing, calling the police <laughs> until he talked to old man Marley and had a sudden change of heart and decided micro machines were infinitely better than the actual cops.
1: Yeah, I think he could have gotten some help from law enforcement. You're right. He had a plan to call the cops and have go yeah. to the neighbor's house. Yeah,
0: he goes next door and calls the neighbor's house at the very end of his whole scheme. So, why didn't he just do why that? Did, I don't beginning. know. Like Let the cops be 45 minutes earlier. Yeah. yeah.
1: It seems totally reasonable. Mm-hmm. There was one other one we talked about, and that was Old Man Marley's behavior.
0: Oh, my gosh. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. So, Old Man Marley comes and rescues Kevin. Literally saves the kid's life by whacking these criminals who are about to bite his fingers off over the head with his shovel. And... That's it. And then apparently Marley pats him on the head and says, Off you go, little tyke," And sends him home (laughs) without, I don't know, like walking home with him to make sure he's okay. Talking to his parents about what just happened. Talking to the police about the fact (laughs) that these two like would-be murderers were about to kill and maim this eight-year-old boy. Nothing about it makes any sense. Old man Marley... Who is so delightful throughout yeah. the film. Just shrugs and, well, I've done my part whacking people in the head with a shovel. Time sure. for me to go home.
1: Surely your home that's had all these criminals in it that, you know, is fine. You can Super just go back safe. there. Get on. be home. Great.
0: Yeah, you got it. You got this. Way to go, eight-year-olds.
1: Well, those are our thoughts on Home Alone. Incredible holiday film. It does not always end up at the top of everybody's holiday list, but it's certainly one of our favorites. And we hope you had fun talking about it with us today or listening to us talk about it today.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And fun little bonus. um, When I am not lawyering or pennies and popcorning, I spend a lot of time playing the piano. So... I'm going to send you guys off with a little rendition of Somewhere in My Memory, which you'll recognize. It's one of the best songs.
1: Oscar-nominated the song. theme from Home Alone.
0: Yeah. So with that, happy holidays, everybody. And we'll see you next time.